Shen, which I thought was uh, a, a fascinating film to talk about in relation to all that we've been doing about new Taiwanese cinema and Hu Xiaoshen. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about it, Richard? So this is the final one we're going to be talking about in this series of um, Golden Horse Award winners. And it's, it's the most recent one that they're showing in that series. So it's from 1984, or co-written by Hu Xiaoshen, Directed by uh, Kung Hu Chen. So he was the director also of Growing Up, which is also in this series, but we talked about previously. He was the cinematographer on He, Knew, he Never Gives Up, which we enjoyed so much <laughs> last week. Um, and of course, you know, Ho Shen was the writer of Growing Up, and he was also the writer of Good Morning Taipei, which we talked about a few, few weeks ago. So th this whole... Um, way that these filmmakers kind of collaborated across the generations of filmmaking is is very interesting because these are all winners of the golden horse awards or, the, or these five films so seeing how uh, mainstream taste in taiwan let's say you know what was what was viewed by the establishment in taiwan as, as a in quotes a good film or a, high, a good quality film seeing how that changed i mean what i've loved about watching uh, all these uh, uh, Golden Horse winners, which have been very uneven, and some of which I actively disliked. Um, but actually watching them all together has been, I think, a wonderful experience, because you see the unfolding of a kind of a cinematic culture, and a kind of becoming that which we now associate with Taiwan, which is the new Taiwanese cinema. This film, Out of the Blue, feels like the culmination of that. It's our second film uh, directed by Chen Kong Hu, uh, who was um, the cinematographer on all of these other films, including Hu Xiaoshen's earlier kind of musical films. Him and Hu Xiaoshen collaborated on, it was a series of six films starring Kenny B. Yes. Three of them directed by Hu Xiaoshen and three of them directed by... Uh, Kun Ho Chen, so we, we haven't seen the Kun Ho Chen ones. The other key person involved here, which is worth noting, is uh, the co-writer Chu Tian Wen. So she was um, the writer on Growing Up. She wrote Taipei Story with Ho Xiao Shen for Edward Yang, and she wrote Boys from Feng Kui, and she went, to, went on to write, if not all of Ho Xiao Shen's films, most of Ho Shen films, certainly, right up till The Assassin in 2015, his final film. So, you know, a, a very key figure in his career. Mm. This is maybe my favourite of uh, the films uh, that we've seen uh, in this series. It's a very unusual film in that it's just, it's about a young couple, teenagers really, yeah, they're 17, who are schoolmates, uh, and they fall in love and they go on... Uh, a trip uh, outside of Taipei uh, to a small village and uh, they decide to, to stay the night 
It's clear they have sex. They're arrested by the police for vagrancy. And then when they return to Taipei, she disappears. Yeah, and he continues with his studies and this conflict with the father and the family. Uh, and then it turns out that uh, he meets her again and she's now got a baby, which he soon realizes is his. Uh, they begin to see each other again, but at the end, she goes with her family uh, to the U.S. I thought it was like really beautiful. Uh, it's a film where, where that takes its time, like the Hu Shen films, though not as much time. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> the camera lingers on things. Yeah, yeah it yeah. allows you to kind of be with these people and to see their changes of moods and so on. And yet, it never feels that. You know, you're so immersed in the film that it always feels like it's moving quickly, even as the the story is kind of gently told, let's say. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is told without dialogue as well, which I, I found very interesting. Because, I mean, the, the girl in, the, in the, the first half of the film, she very rarely speaks. You know, they go on they go on this this trip to the country. She hardly says anything. You know, he, he, he does most of the talking. And you don't really see her point of view until after when they meet up again you then get a flashback from from her point of view of what's what's been going on the first half of the film is is um mostly devoted to this very very long sequence that's just the two of them having this trip to the country and and wandering around and then sitting in this abandoned car and obviously you you realize later that they've they, that they've had sex which is about all that's not made clear at, at, at the time um but it reminded me of um, Before Sunrise, really. I thought, I thought actually, this is going to be, is the whole film going to be this? You know, I, I wouldn't have minded if the whole film had just been, you know, the two of them wandering around in the countryside for, for an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, as you say, there's less talk. The, the pleasure in the Sunrise films is just all the talking and the getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, a lot less talking. Uh, a lot of things are indicated rather than overtly stated. You know, so you get the sense they're 17, they're rebellious, but only within a, a kind of, a, what I imagine, a Chinese sense of rebellion, which is still, you know, filial duty, ties to family, yes, but you transgress on little things, yes. <laughs> they have had sex, the girl gets pregnant, and the, she then, you know, does what the mother tells her in terms of of you know having the baby and, and taking it away he rebels against his father to an extent and his father is quite sort of belligerent and violent um, at, at times but they do seem to have a kind of loving relationship at other times and so it, it is kind of a um, as you say rebellious youth but not rebelling that much because again as with the, as with all these films at the, in, the, in the later scenes in the film he's at university and he hasn't done his military service yet, so he's going to do that after university, and that that's mentioned. So you know, your your sort of your teenage rebellion might happen, but you're then still going to join the army. Yes, so. and also within the narrative, that also affects how much of a father he can be. He wants to. You get the sense he loves her. Well, you don't just get the sense. You know he loves her because there's this wonderful monologue where he says that. Uh, after she was gone, and he knew she was gone, he kept calling her house, even though yeah. she knew he was gone. That I, he was overcome by this feeling of, you know, wanting to be with her, wanting to know what happened, and and so on. So there are kind of clearly uh, strong feelings involved, 
that again it's done in a very understated way, which I think is the film's way, really. Because I was thinking, you get a, a real sense that it's a film made by a cinematographer. And then you think, really? You know, and of course, that's too essentialist. You, yeah. But it's definitely a film made by someone who knows what to do with a camera, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's full of beautifully expressive shots. So the scene where they meet in the park and they meet across bars and she's on one side and he's on the other. And he runs across to be with her and the shot is held so that, you know, he, he runs yeah, to, to the gate and then the camera's still there and when he arrives where she's supposed to be, she's gone, right? And also all those scenes through through doors and windows, which is something you often see in Hoshosh films, where you know, the, the camera sort of stays outside the house while these things are going on, and we just see what's happening through a small through a small window into the into the house. And also the the opening scene with the uh, it's actually I, I didn't quite grasp this when I watched it. The, the whole thing's told in flashback, so the, the the opening scene is 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 the boy at home with his family getting a phone call. And arranging to meet someone the following day who's about to fly out and leave the country, and you you realise at the end that that's him arranging the final meeting with the girlfriend and baby. Um, but that sequence, you you see, he the only one you hear speak, I think, is him. But you you see the mother and father and and the, and the sister. And, you know, the sister's watching Disney cartoons with her headphones on. The father's trying to read his paper. The mother's kind of floating about, and you just without any dialogue from them, you totally get an idea of of all their characters and, and, and the interrelations between those people. It's very, very, very well told. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really beautiful. I found it very affecting, really. Um, and obviously part of it is the youth, part of it is the story, and part of it is the way that the story is told, because I think there are two things that I found very interesting. So, you know, the, it's, a, it's a hackneyed story, right, about a teenager who gets pregnant. I mean... It's been done a million times, usually in a very melodramatic vein, right? They get pregnant, the world falls apart, right? This one is very low-key. The world doesn't fall apart. The family is supportive. You know, he remains in the child's life, or he, he comes back and finds a place in the child's life. Um, so it's full of feeling, but it's not really melodramatic. And the other thing that's interesting you know, this, this could be maybe sexist, I don't know. Uh, well, almost certainly, actually. Uh, but interestingly so. I, it's a story that's told from the man's point of view. It's about how, you know, getting a girl pregnant affects the boy much more mm, than it is mm. about how it affects the girl. If I've got this right, Chu Chen Shin, who wrote the novel this film is based on, is the sister of... Chu Tianwen, who co-wrote the screenplay and was Ho Xiao Shen's regular collaborator. So that's an interesting aside. But the but the point being that the source material for the film was by a woman, and the the script is co-written by a woman. But as you say, it's interesting that this is mostly about the effects of the arrival of the baby on the man rather than on the yes. woman. Uh, because uh, you get all those family dynamics as to the boy the conflict of the father, the, the, the little bursts of mini-rebellion, 
the possibility that he might go off on the wrong path, I, yeah, not, not go to university. Uh, there's the contrast at work between the man who is already a father and you can see he's harassed and doesn't get enough sleep and, you know, and the boy himself uh, who has another girl after him making him hot lunches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she basically disappears from the story until the end, right? Where, you know, she arrives, she tells us that her mother has been understanding that her father is in love with a grandchild. You get a sense that it's hidden. Yeah, so it can't all have been easy. They're leaving to the States, right? And I, th I imagine part of that might be a social pressure around the child and not just economic gain. Uh, so, you know, those things are really kind of hinted at. But the focus is on the boy, his growing relationship with his son, his loss once again, the romantic notion that they will return to be together, but we don't know when. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I liked was the, that sequence where, because it kind of mirrors the sequence early in the film where they go, they go, go to the country together where the baby's conceived, where once they've met again, they go to the country to stay where he grew up with the baby for a night. And it just goes really, really badly. And, it, it, and what's interesting about that sequence is, is you're told that the girl's mother is, is, is fully aware that they're going away together and it's, it's essentially supported them going away together. And you, I can't, it's not stated, but it kind of felt a bit like this is the mother's you know, or the grandmother saying, OK, you two, you want to be a you want to be a couple, you want to be parents, go away for a couple of days and try being parents and see how far you get. And it, it, I think that shows both of them that they, you know, they can't, re they're, they're, they're still kids. Really. They, are. They, can't, they, they can't operate as, as a mature mm. couple. They can't they can't act as parents. It's quite interesting. So there's that lovely reconciliation at the end where. Uh, the mother goes to pick up her daughter with the child and meets the father across the street and they just acknowledge each other with a smile, right? So kind of not now, but maybe later. Is... Yeah, that's the that's the impression you get, isn't it? That, that she's, she's saying, yeah, well, let's go away and let's come back when you've done your military service mm. and, and uh, you might have grown up by then. <laughs> I think it's fair comment. <laughs> What I, what I really loved about the film was its focus on youth, its focus on feeling, yeah, that is kind of intense but understated in a situation that is very complex but simply told, yeah. Uh, and the film has very much a kind of a poetic feel that one associates with Hu Shaoshen, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so it feels like a kind of a flowering into new Taiwanese uh, cinema. If you see uh, something that uh, he was a cinematographer on, uh, and like he never gives up, and then you see this film, and you think these are completely different styles uh, of filmmaking, drawing on completely different uh, uh, references. The the thing that's amazing. Is if you look at what was going, what these people were up to at, around this time. This is 1984. So Ho Shao Shen in 1983 made The Sandwich Man and the Boys from Fung Kui. 
1984, he made Summer at Grandpa's. 1985, he made Time to Love and Time to Die as, as director. As writer, 83 was growing up. The Taipei Story was 85. Uh, there was another couple of films as as as, as, as writer. Um, so just thinking how what yeah this kind of outburst outpouring of 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 creativity from this group of of writers directors cinematographers but the the idea that he's you know directing films he's writing films for other people but they're not just him you know the others are, are doing the same you know kind of and he was and i just remembered he was he was actually acting in Taipei story yeah. at the same time you know um, but likewise if you see uh the filmography for kung hao shen I mean, it is really quite extraordinary. So, you know, he's got The Green Green Grass of Home, 1982, Growing Up, 1983, The Sandwich Man, which we've also talked about in 1983, then The Boys from Feng Kui, uh, and then kind of he directs uh, himself with, like, uh, uh, Growing Up, right? So uh, yeah, an incredible, yeah. uh, productive run of films as cinematographer, uh, as director, uh, and through his collaborations uh, with Hu Xiaoshen. And you could see the change from, you know, these musicals, these comedies, yeah, into something kind of deeper, more serious, more poetic, kind of more beautiful. Uh, and actually, I think, uh, you know, part of uh, the pleasure of watching the, that whole range of Golden Horse winners, uh, which, you know, varied in style and quality and tradition is that you begin to see how this other cinema kind of develops. You definitely go from one place to one that we're much more familiar with through Hu Xiaoshan's later works. And actually, yeah, I think yeah. this film then becomes a kind of, you know, a key film, really, because it's just after the boys from uh, Feng Shui. It is... Uh, uh, a different, yeah, but actually also very similar. This development from a cinematographer kind of doing, you know, these epics, these spectacles, re healthy realist films, to Out of the Blue is also kind of uh, parallel and intersecting in ways that I think enrich our understanding uh, of Thailand yeah, cinema. Yeah. It's, it's that transition from one sort of film to another. And you could look at Good Morning Taipei, and actually the theme of Good Morning Taipei is this kind of young guy rebelling against his parents, has a love affair with this woman who then leaves him, and by the end of the film you get the sense that he's going to go back and try and reconnect with her. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually the same plot almost, and, and it, it's the way it's treated is very different, and, you know, Good Morning Taipei is a musical um, uh, out of the blue, actually has very little music in it, there's this kind of refrain that recurs a few times but there's very little music it's a very different treatment of the same theme from the same writer and a different director and I, I think you know to look at these films in isolation is is a mistake and to, to actually have the opportunity to look at these films as an evolution of, of Taiwanese cinema and of popular taste in Taiwanese cinema is, is a, a, a really interesting thing to do mm. I mean um, I, I suppose uh, the thing we we really uh, you know should do is to to thank uh, Taiwan Plus for this Golden Decade Cinematic Masters of the Golden Horse Awards, which we will link up to in the blog. But I wanted to ask you, Richard, 
Uh, we've now seen uh, all of these uh, six films. What are your impressions now of the series as a whole? It's been very interesting. It has been a mixed bag. Um, I, I think it's sort of um, probably con reconfirmed certainly my view that you know new time and new time in cinema is far more far more interesting far more rewarding than than than, than these earlier films but uh, i think it it's it's also reinforced the view that you know one really did grow out of the other in a much more organic way than than popular opinion would, would, would tell you um i think if you you know I would certainly encourage people to watch these films. On the other hand, I would, if you have limited time, I would just watch Good Morning Taipei, Growing Up and Out of the Blue, because they're actually very interesting in terms of how Hao Xiaoshen's um, career developed. Uh, but the others, while more flawed from our perspective, although clearly very popular at the time, um, are also very interesting. I mean, I would recommend that people watch them all, because... I mean, what it's taught me is, in a way, about method, really. You, you can't understand a cinematic culture. I think you can't understand, I mean, forget about a cinematic culture. You can't understand new Taiwanese cinema as a movement without having a context for it, right? And yeah, uh, yeah. what these films do is they provide a shortcut to that context because... You know, I mean, normally I remember kind of, you know, you're trying to figure things out on your own and, you know, you see so much junk, really. And the virtue of this is that it's pre-selected for you. These are the films that that national film industry thought were the best, right? So, yeah, yeah. And within them being the best, then us, from our perspective, can say, oh, that one was terrible, that one has this horrible ideology, you know, that one, the spectacle is fantastic, but, you know, etc., so, you know, it's not too many, it's only six, yet it actually kind of uh, gives you context for everything else, makes everything else kind of much more understandable. You see the traditions where these things flow from, and you're seeing that kind of context through carefully selected examples that are meant to be almost the best of their kind, whatever your own view of them might be. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm sure you'd actually have a similar experience if someone selected a series of six Best Picture Oscar winners exactly. across the years. You would watch some of them and think, why, why the hell would anyone think this is the best film of that year? Um, what, you'd watch others and think, yeah, this still really, really stands up. And I, so I, I don't think that's unique to Taiwan, but it's, I think because the because the period these are from, you know, sort of late 60s to mid 80s, um, is that period of transition in Taiwanese cinema. It, it makes it a very interesting period to be looking at. And it, it's a great opportunity to see some films which, judging by the, you know, out of the blue, I could find virtually nothing written about it. Um, it doesn't help that there are so many other films called Out of the Blue. Yes. <laughs> the Dennis Hopper film Out of the Blue. Uh, no, no, not that one. Uh, not that one. Um, but, you know, there's so there's so little written about this in what, when you watch it, is clearly a kind of key film in Ho Shoshen's filmography, certainly you know, as a writer, not a director. But, um, you know, the, this, if this had happened to be one of the films Ho Shoshen directed rather than giving the script to somebody else, it would have, it would be... You know, a, a key film in his kind of canon of, of films. Yes. And yet, kind of, we're able to observe 
that Chen Kung Hao also is a greatly skilled director. You know, some of the shots, the camera movement, the, uh, the treatment with the actors uh, uh, was very beautiful. Um, you know, I, I sometimes tell students in, in, in a film, yeah, a bridge is not just a bridge. Walking through a bridge is not just walking through a bridge, right? There might be wind and rain, and <laughs> like, yeah, that actually yeah, the walking yeah. through the bridge is meant to represent something else, like right? a mood or a feeling, or yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. you get a real sense in this film of how this director is really kind of, you know, bringing in all of these elements into play in the narrative. Yeah, I mean, the, the sequence where the girl goes back on her own to the village where they had their night is great because she just it's just these shots of her you know, walking on the jetty or standing next to the abandoned car or standing outside the cafe and you know nothing's happening but it just tells you everything about how she's feeling about what's going on anyway we highly recommend so uh thank you very much for listening we are thinking aloud about film i'm jose i'm richard bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.